Hey, thanks for stopping by the Carline Conversations podcast. My name is Jason, and in this episode, I sit down with my good friend, Chad Landman. Chad is the education minister for the Graymere Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. He's a husband, father of three boys, and the only cassette curator I've ever known. Seriously, though, he's a huge fan of vintage audio. He's a self-proclaimed super nerd and a great resource for parents when it comes to navigating the digital world we live in. Chad's been writing and speaking about faith and technology for a long time. He's presented his active digital parenting workshop all over the country for the last seven years. I've been to one of those workshops, and they are super practical. Chad and I have been friends for years now, and I'm excited to talk with him more in depth about digital parenting. Thanks for joining us, and I hope this conversation is helpful. Chad, thanks so much for being with me today. I appreciate your time and uh, excited to talk to you about some uh, digital parenting strategies today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. And uh, I really appreciate you thinking of me. I guess my first question for you is, what is active digital parenting? Well, I mean, that's a, a, I wouldn't say cute, but that's a kind of a little acronym that I came up with ADP back about seven, almost eight years ago now uh, to kind of talk about being a digital parent in these days. I thought about being, um, what is parent? It's not exactly parenting classes. It's Mm -hmm. all about how to really use digital technology as a tool in your home, uh, to make sure that you are parenting the correct way with those because, um, parenting today with our digital technology is just intertwined with everything that we do. And so I put active in front of it because uh, it needs to be constant. It needs to be never ending. uh, And it needs to, I tell parents, sometimes it kind of needs to be a little bit relentless. You need to be relentless when you pursue and uh, keep track of everything uh, that your child is doing, keeping them safe, uh, keeping them from seeing things that you wouldn't want them to see. But it's basically just a, uh, it's a workshop that I've been doing for about seven to eight years now, Uh, I've done 70, and this is crazy to say, I've done 72 of them. I'm going to do number 73 in Birmingham uh, this coming uh, end of July here. And uh, it's just a way that I've uh, I've got three or four different sessions to help encourage and energize parents to be better digital parents and to not discount technology, not to just give their kids an iPad or an iPhone and uh, have it be unprotected or um, unregulated. And uh, that's really just basically what it is. Awesome. And I've been a part of one of those before. It's super practical, very helpful. Uh, and I love, I love the title because it, it's true. There's no, uh, there's no passive parenting. Not that there ever really was in any generation, but now more than ever, uh, your word right. is spot on. It is relentless. Uh, it is, it really is, I think, impossible for us to keep up with the technology. It, it now, technology develops exponentially quicker than it used to. Um, you know, hundreds of years from the printing press to the digital age. Uh, but now here in the digital age, just in a matter of 20 years, and especially since the pandemic, even uh, the, the access, the tools, the, the resources, but then also the dangers, uh, they, they are numerous. Uh, and it's, it is a relentless pursuit to try to stay informed on those things. Absolutely. We're, we're witnessing the biggest technological change, you know, like you said, since the printing press uh, in the last 500 years. And we may not think that we may think, um, that the television and radio was a big, uh, you know, kind of revolution back in the forties, fifties and sixties. And it was, but again, that was one way communication. We're talking about two way communication around the world, um, through all sorts of different mediums and social media. You've got 
uh, texting, of course, you've got international video calling, you've got all sorts of different apps that utilize all those different services, uh, private messaging on social networks, all sorts of things that parents really have to keep track of. And it's, uh, I just try to have a set of rules and set of uh, guidelines to help. And what I tell parents is, hey, when we go through this workshop, uh, it may be three hours of, of good info for you and things to think about, but it is literally the tip of the iceberg. It, it is just a, a 5% of what you need to know. You've got to go home and do the work. You've got to go home and more, most importantly, be the parent uh, to that child. Uh, to that child. And so um, it's very important um, stuff. And I've had uh, a lot of great success. I have done near zero promotion for this. Um, I have not advertised. I have not, you know, went out there and tried to seek out churches that need these kinds of things. Everybody has really come to me and it started all here at Graymere when I did four sessions on four Wednesday nights. I drove across the highway for um, working at Church Street Church Christ in Lewisburg. And I didn't know I was going to be employed here a year later, uh, but it was very uh, interesting indeed. And so kind of snowballed from there and just um, it has been a wild ride and it continues to be something that I hope is helping parents all around. Growing definitely more practical every day. Uh, let's get into that iceberg a little bit, that tip of the iceberg you referenced there. What what are some apps out there that you have found to be very helpful as a parent uh, or something that you would recommend parents look into uh, for for help in keeping their kids accountable or just uh, just all around good parenting apps? Well, and and there's, you know, usually when I um, when I started all this, you know, five, six, seven years ago, I used to give out these laundry lists of long lists of apps. And there is, if you type in parental control apps uh, in your app store or the Google Play store, you're going to get a list of hundreds and hundreds of apps. Uh, Most of them aren't good. And so normally what I recommend is about two to three apps based upon the age of your child and what platform they're on. And the apps that I'm going to mention here are going to be ones that are going to be on iOS, on Apple devices, and also on Android Google devices as well. And so the first one I've li- really liked is Our Pact, and it's O-U-R-P-A-C-T. And that's really good uh, for things like monitoring text messaging, especially with younger kids. If you've got an 11, 12, 13-year-old who has a phone and who you want really limited access uh, you need to make sure that you can use something like that. It's Our Pact is available, uh, of course, on iOS and Android, and also you can link it to your phone so you can kind of look at those uh, different things that they're doing, different activities. Really, if I could back up for a second, you need to start with the built-in parental controls that are on the phone. Sometimes, and you may, uh, I'm not to the point yet, I have three uh, little boys, Jason, and they're all under age 10. They don't have their own mobile devices yet, um, and they, they have uh, iPads that they use in the house, uh, but that's it. So we've got those locked down, and we all we use is screen time on iOS. And screen time can get you a pretty far away. Uh, but when you start to get a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I can see here in the very near future, my 10-year-old is going to require more in-depth parental controls. And that's where you go to an app like Our Pact. And so I really like that app as well. And again, it's on Android and iOS. Another one that I like for older teenagers, especially, and it's not a, it's kind of a add-on, I guess, and one that I've heard about and heard people really, really uh, excited about is Life 360, and I'm sure you've heard of that one, but it's basically like, um, you know, it's a, it's a tracker for your kids. It's a really good thing, especially if you have a driver in your family, 
And uh, there's a lot of different safety features as far as um, car safety, being out and about safety. There's um, things that you can, uh, little extra features that you can pay for to get criminal alerts if your child is in town or something like that and there's a crime committed nearby, uh, all sorts of different things. And so there is a list of features that those two apps are very actively developed and um, you would so, not go wrong uh, with using those, uh, giving them three or four bucks a month. Yeah. My wife and I use the free version currently just to to know where each other are during the day. And, you know, if she's going out of town to her, to see, uh, see grandparents or, or relatives or something, then we can kind of know where each other, um, is, is located at different times. So even without having team yeah. drivers, it's very helpful. And there's a lot you can actually do just with the free version. That's, that's a great one. Right. And one honorable mention I might, uh, throw in there and I don't have any personal experience with this one yet, but, uh, that's bark, uh, B A R K. And it's a very, um, artificial intelligence driven application to where it, whatever it sees on the screen and it's pretty in, in depth and it will de- detect things like bullying or pornography or things like that. And so if you really need a deep level of control um, and I would highly recommend that for any child that's a, you, you had a question in the thing about five-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, things like that. And again, you know your child better than anybody since you're the parent, but at the same time, you're going to want to have everything almost completely locked down for a young child, for a five, six, seven, eight-year-old. Um, you're going to want to know if anything comes across that screen. And Bark is going to be something that could could really help you out with that. And then you kind of have to graduate to those other apps as they start messaging friends and things like that. Uh, Our Pact will help you a little bit with the text messaging um, awareness and things like that. So, yeah, it really depends on what tool works for you. And uh, I tell parents, if you have a good parental control system, if you just use screen time or if you just use Google Play Family Link, those built-in apps that come on Android and iOS phones, if they are working for you right now, then just don't don't change for change's sake. But if you find that you're needing extra control or needing something, make sure you take a look at these apps. I'd also say uh, Bark is a good follow on Instagram. They have uh, quite a bit of infographics and just really good uh, information when it comes to parenting in the digital age. Uh, they've got a lot of good Absolutely. info that they post there as well. So that's a good one. Uh, what are some things that you've come across, some apps in particular, that you think might be the most harmful uh, that parents definitely need to be aware of, either the app or some of the things that go on with a particular platform? Well, and I, I won't even, other than than pulling out one app, and that's Snapchat. I mean, I can pick on Snapchat all the live long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snapchat was designed as an app from the very beginning to be able to hide usage from uh, parents, from people, from teachers, from all sorts of different things. It was designed to be private. And so that has no business being in a child's uh, app drawer on their phone. Um, They have no business in using any of that kind of stuff. However, um, that is the main method of communication for 16 to 24-year-olds right now. Uh, they will. They use Snapchat more than they use text messaging. Uh, they're starting to use TikTok more. And TikTok, while it doesn't have the same features and the same messaging features, the content on TikTok is what you might need to be worried about as well. And also, you not need to be worried about who owns TikTok. China, uh, it's a Chinese company. And any data that you put on there, any kind of videos that you put on there is going to be on some Chinese servers. And so that's not a political thing that I'm saying. I'm just saying that you might not want your children's face or their biometric data or any kind of videos or any kind of other data, other data that they have 
you might not want that on um, on a foreign country's servers. So you just might want to make sure to keep that in mind. But as a general um, kind of a genre of apps, any apps that conceal identity, uh, any apps that uh, allow you to imitate or be somebody that they're not or to hide their identity is going to be incredibly dangerous for kids. When kids figure out that they can kind of do that stuff and they start picking on and talking about teachers on certain social networks and uh, different things like that, when they, feel, when they figure out that they can, they can hide their identity, uh, that becomes very powerful. And uh, we need to be able to discourage that and then not use those apps as well. And again, um, I would highly recommend that you use some sort of parental control app, especially screen time. If you have a screen time on iOS, and I know Google Play Family Link has the same feature, uh, you can actually pre-approve any app that's downloaded uh, on the phone. And so when they request, they can request that and it pops up on your phone and they say they want to download this certain app. You can take a look at that app before they even download it. So I would highly recommend doing that for sure. That's great advice. A lot of times I think the built-in native restrictions and, and safety features, we just kind of overlook sometimes. And that's a good place we to do. start every time. It's an absolutely good place to start. I've never even used our pact uh, on a regular basis or bark uh, yet because I don't require that. I know I will soon. But uh, we just use screen time on our uh, on our on our boys' iPads, and uh, it works very very well. And they're making pretty good improvements actually for iOS 16. So I'm working on a, a a guide for that to come out this fall in conjunction with iOS 16, so that parents will understand what the built-in rules are on screen time uh, for iPhones and iPads. Gotcha. That's awesome. What what would you say has been the greatest challenge uh, for you and your family? You mentioned you have three boys, uh, you and your wife. Then, mm-hmm. um, what have been maybe some of the biggest challenges you guys have faced from a technology standpoint, uh, or just that people have talked to you about and, and sought your guidance or shared with you? What are some of the biggest challenges out there that you're seeing? Well, personally, uh, with our three boys, um, our our oldest boy, uh, ten years old now. He's going into fifth grade. I, I say that and it comes out of my mouth and I cannot believe those <laughs> words. He is, yep. He's going to be in fifth grade in middle school this year. Nice. He has a, um, an iPad and he is an incredibly creative person. He loves making graphics and making movies and editing movies together. He loves doing that kind of stuff. But that leads to so many other things. He's incredibly smart. Uh, and with his being on the autism spectrum, uh, it's been hard for us in some instances to explain to him, Hey, this may look like a cartoon, but it's, but it's not appropriate for you to watch, you know, things like that. And so far, again, I knock on proverbial wood here so far, we've had, we've had pretty good um, luck with him and he has caught some words on some YouTube videos that he shouldn't have seen that he has said. And and we've had to deal with that. So that's been a little bit tough, but overall it's been pretty well. We have, um, and, and I imagine our house is much like a lot of other people's houses is that every TV you've got, every iPad you've got has a code on it somewhere and you constantly have to change those codes because your kids are finding those out and they may get on YouTube, watch something they're not supposed to. And so it's been just a constant struggle. But again, that's that part of that being active and being relentless uh, that we think about. And I, I, I would much rather take an extra 10 to 15 seconds to watch a television show late at night to put in codes and to think about, okay, what is this, this code for Paramount plus, what is this code for Disney plus and put that in rather than my child coming on and watching a movie or seeing something that they shouldn't. And it 
causing them to have nightmares or bad thoughts or, or learn language that I wouldn't want them to learn or ideas, frankly, that I wouldn't want them to learn. And so that's, that's a tough thing for me. But I would really say the toughest thing for me uh, has been I've gone to workshops and I've had um, parents call me, email me afterwards and not saying that they're ignorant, but they would be oblivious to the fact that something cannot be changed. For instance, uh, I've had several parents go and start digging into their child's phones and start getting into their business and stuff after I've done a workshop and it's really encouraged them to take control of those things as they should and they should from the beginning. But what you have is that sometimes those parents discover things that they, they don't like. And I had one um, one father come to me and and just in just almost a a rage, almost like it was my fault. And he said, you know, my daughter took inappropriate pictures of herself, and she sent them to these three, four, six boys or whatever. And he was demanding that I tell him how to remove those pictures, like from Snapchat, from the internet. Hmm. And I just, it was heartbreaking. Uh, there was there was no part of it. I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was hearing because I was like, that, "Sir, there's no there's no way yeah. that you can get those back. There's no way." And the and police have a hard time on acting on some of these things. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so uh, it's been it's been pretty hard to hear some of that stuff. But I always try to walk uh, through the parents with that and help where I can. And then usually um, it really comes down to more serious situations where I always try to refer. I refer them to to a professional counselor and try to get them to to talk through those different things because there's always when a child is acting out like that when a child is going through something or looking at something that they they shouldn't or they're involved in pornography or sending inappropriate pictures or talking about inappropriate things there's always something deeper and they always need to get to the root of that problem with with professional counseling I think so yeah, yeah it's been those are some been some of the most difficult things I feel like it's just as a parent the part of the dauntingness of this is the fact that we can put limitations, we can put in uh, rules, we can put in some boundaries, but like our, our children um, currently are under 10 as well, uh, seven, five, and three, and then one on the way. And um, they go and play with friends in the neighborhood. And we have certain rules, mm-hmm. you know, what they can and can't do. Uh, but one day we walked up and, uh, and uh, one of our kids were playing, talking on an iPad to their friend's friends who we don't know. Uh, and, and it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a malicious thing, but it showed us very quickly, uh, sort of unexpectedly even, and this was in the midst of the pandemic. So they weren't doing school. They weren't, you know, in class. This was a, a classmate that they, <coughs> pardon me. This was a classmate that they were talking with virtually, um, and school supplied technology. Right. Um, but we don't know anything about that kid. We don't know anything about their home, what, you know, what they're talking about those. There's, there's just a, there is a limit to what you can actually effectively do as a parent sometimes. And that's the part to me that it, it feels more daunting than encouraging at times because it's, you know, we, we go through all this to try to think through every scenario and ultimately there's a control issue here that things that we're not in control of. And that's, that's a fight of parenting always has been, you know, to some degree of absolutely uh, keep, maintain the innocence of your kids until it's okay for them to lose that innocence. But it, that's never okay. It never feels okay, you know, for, for them to kind of right. cross a boundary. Cause then you can never kind of go back from that. Do you, you have any, um, curious to hear your thoughts? And I, and I, I want to piggyback on that comment. I share yeah. that with parents. I, I say, you know, 
there are going to be things, there are going to be times where you're going to have to take, take the phone away. There are going to be times where you have to be a parent and, and do the hard stuff and, and take the phone away, take the iPad away and punish them with these certain things because, um, you're going, it's going to happen. So just obviously be prepared for it. Um, I think the worst thing that parents that I see sometimes is parents that are deluded into thinking that their children can do no wrong. Uh, that's one of the most dangerous things that I see because parents say they, in their head, they go, well, I have a good, he's a good kid and he, I, I've taught him better than that. And what I find is that sometimes those kids, yeah, they're great kids, but they're still kids and they make mistakes. And when you're 16, 17 years old, you don't think about stuff. You don't think about consequences when you do uh, foolish things, even on a digital device. And so, um, again, just to keep that in mind for parents, say how, how many great decisions did you make when you were 17 years old? You know, yeah, and think about yeah. hey, your, your, your son or daughter has a device that can access the wealth of all human knowledge in their hands. Yeah. And it's up to you to build up boundaries. It's up to you to, to put restrictions on that, to allow them to kind of just wade ankle deep in the World Wide web and all these apps and services and things, and then graduate uh, slowly up to those things, knee deep, waist deep, and then obviously in all in. So a big difference, I think, in where we are today and where we've been in previous generations is sometimes those bad decisions eventually would go away. You know, you could change schools and right. the decision wouldn't necessarily right, fall. But these you, don't, but do they? These don't. They're out there in perpetuity. They're out there forever, you know, and uh, once it's, once it's out there, it's it, like you said, it's impossible to, to fully put all the pieces back together as far as consequences go. Um, it doesn't take much of a Google search to go and find different cases across the nation, across the world where uh, it's led to some pretty difficult things, suicide and, and depression and things like that. And I think mm -hmm. um, it seems like our kids are more immature longer. You know, they mature slower now, but they have more access to mature things at a much younger age. And so that's a really dangerous right. mix, uh, and and that's something. That, I mean, a very dangerous handle, combination. Yeah, yeah. Adults don't handle social media very well. I mean, just look at any really most celebrities, I would say, or politicians. Yep. Uh, you know, give give them Twitter for a little bit, and we'll we'll still clear of all the political conversation. But just you know, adult, the, well, the richest man in the world can't can't say yeah. the right things on Twitter and gets in tons <laughs> of trouble that costs him thousands and billions of dollars. So I mean, yeah. it's, so to think it's a perfect example and the the. Fourteen-year-olds uh, that are good kids, and they probably are really good kids. Uh, but I, and they and they kids, are. Yeah. They don't understand the consequences, and so it, it's it's part of our responsibility. It is a main part of our responsibility, to the best of our ability, uh, explain those consequences to model them as well. I feel like that's a big part of it, also that I find just of myself violating all the time. Of our kids don't have yes. cell phones right now, but they see me with one in my hand probably far too often, um, and, uh, yep. and so that. That's something that I'm keenly aware at this life stage during bedtime in particular, try pretty hard. I say pretty hard because sometimes I don't, sometimes I just, I'm tired and I just want to be occupied. Uh, but bedtime needs mm -hmm. to, I need to have my full undivided attention. I think kids are distracted, but now parents are as distracted or have the opportunity for distraction more than we've ever had in the past as well. You know, I can't hardly sit at a stoplight without glancing at my phone. Um, right. Do you have any other strategies that, that you feel like have been very effective uh, for parents, parents' actions, not just necessarily apps for kids' phones, but things that parents can do, especially parents of young children, what habits and what kind of um, 
what kind of rhythm of life type stuff do we need to make a part of our everyday um, everyday time together so that when they become middle school kids or teenagers, they're better equipped to make decisions even when we're not there to make the good decisions? Yeah. Well, again, and I kind of alluded to it before, but, um, you know, having a plan, you and your spouse absolutely have to have a plan and it doesn't have to be super detailed. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, written out and put on the refrigerator or anything, but we have to think about at what stage are we going to allow certain things and what stage do we want them to know about certain things? At what stage are we going to allow our child to have a phone? Um, you know, all these other different things. And what are we going to do when they have that phone and just have a plan? Um, if you go to, and this is not a self-promotion necessarily, but I've got a lot of resources on my webpage. Um, if you go to chadl.co slash DPW, it stands for Digital Parenting Workshop, um, you can find all sorts of downloads, all sorts of slideshows and different things that I have on there. Uh, there's even a questionnaire if you have a question. But uh, I've got a particular download on there that was by a uh, that was drafted up by a woman. It was like an 18 point kind of um, she called it the 18 commandments of his iPhone. And she drafted these up before she gave her 13 year old son his first iPhone. And normally you would look at something like that and go, well, you know, that's just a list of things. But this list is is pretty incredible. It's it's filled with practical things, but it's also filled with, you know, absolutely real things. And things about spelling out the consequences. When you do this, this is going to happen. I'm going to take your phone away from you. We're going to talk about this. And that's, I mean, it's just expectations. So if you set those expectations with your child, um, you know, there's not going to be any kind of arguments or hopefully there won't be any kind of arguments about, hey, this is what we're having to do right now when we talk about when something happens. Uh, Because it's inevitable that, almost inevitable at least, that your child will do something that they're not supposed to be doing and they're going to have to learn some lessons. And hopefully those lessons are not going to be things that follow them much farther into life. Uh, but hopefully those things will be good that they can learn uh, right then. So, you know, it's very important for us to understand, I think that, and, um, and think about, you know, what we would do, um, and how to parent, uh, properly. Yeah. Any other thoughts on how to prevent digital addiction for parents? In the first place. And so that's another one that I wanted to hit on is, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me, um, and I think for a lot of parents, is that, I mean, we got to realize we're all addicted to these devices. That's mm-hmm. kind of the first step is realizing that you have an addiction in the first place. And so when we realize that, we realize that we, we need to do something about it. We need to be conscious uh, uh, and do something intentional about it. And one thing that I try to do uh, and be intentional about it is, you know, just setting my phone off and uh, off to the side, setting it down, putting it on a shelf when I get home at in the afternoons. And from the time that I get home to the time that my boys go to bed and they go to bed still pretty early. So it's kind of nice. I try to not look at the phone. If I get a phone call, of course, I'll pick it up and things like that. But I try to not uh, even look at my phone, try to not look at an iPad, uh, try to not get on or play any video games that are that are kind of not with them. I play several games with my boys and it's a lot of fun, but really that's kind of dedicated to their time. I've been gone all day long and they, one thing they don't need to see me is, is gone inside my phone when I get home. And so again, I'll get caught with that just like you do as well. My little eight year old will come up to me and he'll tap on my phone while I'm looking at it and go, daddy, I need to talk to you about something. And it's just, it's precious. But at the same time, it reminds me, I don't need to be on this screen. I've been on it half the day anyway. 
So that's another thing. Just set those boundaries. Uh, if you have teenagers, uh, I would say have a time, have an hour in the evenings where the phones and the devices are just not in the room. Uh, if that's dinner time, if that's the hour before dinner time, if that's just create those kinds of boundaries. Uh, another thing that I say is kind of find opportunities to leave your screen behind. Um, try to go and take walks as a family or, you know, leave your phone in your bag at soccer practice or, you know, whatever, just those different things, just find opportunities to kind of turn that screen off, leave that screen behind. Nothing's going to be on fire or anything like that. You're not going to miss all that much for an hour or two uh, in the evenings and just make that a priority. And uh, there's one interesting one that I've shared before, and that is I don't have my phone necessarily right. Yeah, I've got it right here. But you can actually go to a setting on your iPhone and on Android as well. You can actually uh, turn it to grayscale or black and white mode. And you would not believe the tricks that that plays on your brain with how interesting content looks on your screen. Uh, and if if you notice, you know, my, my screen right here, I've got it's colorful, it's bright, it's got bright icons, all sorts of different things. It's very appealing, and I want to look at those things. If I look at uh, Instagram, for instance, uh, there's going to be a lot of ways that I can con just continually scroll on that. It's a lot like a slot machine uh, in Las Vegas. It's just, you, it's just got the trilling lights and the different beeps and sounds and different things like that, and they're designed that way. Well, if you take color out of the equation, it becomes very interesting how uninterested you are in your screen. And so it's helped me when I'm, we're going to go on a little uh, mini vacation to Chattanooga this week. And I'm going to turn my phone on grayscale mode so that I don't look at it uh, nearly as much. And so I'm not super interested that I'm actually in the moment with my boys walking around an aquarium. And so and that's just a couple of different things and strategies that I think about. Yeah. We like to look right. at pretty things and when they're not pretty, we don't like to look at them. So that's a good way to leverage our own, the way our own brain works. That's great. Absolutely. And I like that, especially like on vacation to really help. I think a lot of us struggle to get away the, you know, FOMO, the fear of missing out. I think it's something that kids today especially mm -hmm. uh, struggle with, but I think adults do as well. And uh, and that's a perfect example of trying to go on vacation, but still connected to your, your device, whether it be email from work or social media or what have you. Uh, it's hard to truly break away. And um, a lot of places encourage digital fasts and things like that to to keep this time and a certain time and space that's free of digital distraction. Right. I, t I tell adults all the time, I'm like, use, there's a vacation responder on mm. your message, on your email. Right. There's there a setting go. for that. Just, yeah. it'll send somebody a message, tell them you're on vacation. Don't worry about it. People can do without you for five days. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get away, but um, it's just something we've got to practice and get used to. You mentioned on your website, uh, there's some resources there, chatl.co. Um, any other resources, books, or things that you have found very helpful and beneficial, things that you would recommend for parents to look into? Why, yes, Jason, I have several books that I would like to share. I, I <laughs> bring so a that. stack of books with me. I go. bring a stack of books with me every workshop that I go to, and that stack has grown and grown. <laughs> and um, I've got about, and I won't talk in depth about any of these, but a couple of these are really, um, just really fantastic. A general parenting book that any, not even, doesn't even have a thing about digital parenting in it, but a digital parenting book, or excuse me, just a general parenting book that, that everybody should read is uh, Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. And this is a 
pretty old book um, written by uh, Stephen Glenn and Jane Nelson, both PhDs. It's been updated and revised, of course, over the course of the thing, but it's a it's a fantastic read. And um, I would recommend it for any parent of any child at any age. And so, again, Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. This one's by Kathy Koch, Dr. Kathy Koch, Screens and Teens. It's a little bit older. I think this is 2014. And it's a it's a pretty good, uh, you know, nice short book. But it's, a, it's really good, and it talks about helping you make sense of all the things um, uh, that, that happens with on these screens and kind of empowers you to kind of move forward. And that's where I get a lot of my, uh, a lot of different ideas. And by the way, all the ideas that I have come up with for the, um, the workshop have been largely from these books. And so if you just kind of read these, you don't even need to go to the workshop or anything. But <laughs> I loved this one by Tony Reinke, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Uh, absolutely fantastic book. Um, and again, you can find any of these on Amazon. And uh, he wrote this as a series of blog articles, and then he turned it into a book. And um, it's really fun uh, read. It's really fascinating. And uh, the really the most fascinating is his brand new book. Uh, I say brand new. It's been out for about three, four, five months now. It's God, Technology, and the Christian Life. And uh, again, it's probably not out of focus there. And uh, this one gives you a really interesting. I'm contemplating doing a 12 week class at Graymere just on this book and all the lessons that have been taught in it. And so it's really all about the association that we have with technology and how intertwined it is to our lives these days and um, how that relates to our Christian walk. It's really fantastic. It's not necessarily about digital parenting, but I still think it's really interesting, some of the ideas that they have in it. Uh, two that I've got from uh, from kind of, I would say, brotherhood authors uh, Dangerous Playground by Drew Kaiser. I'm sure you've heard of that one there. And uh, it's got it's a short little book about some of the dangers and things um, uh, that social media can present and all, all sorts of stuff. And then there's one by Jeremy Roberts that I liked. It's called uh, Disconnect. And uh, it's really uh, pretty interesting. Sorry, let me get it in focus here. Uh, it talks about idolatry and distraction and all sorts of different things and how we can combat those um, using you know using the tools that we've been given and uh the last one i have is by richard freed has been really kind of revolutionary uh for me to read and has really changed the way i look at a lot of stuff um uh, it's, it's by dr richard freed it's called wired child and he's got a couple of other different things it's basically reclaiming childhood in a digital age and uh, it talks about all sorts of uh interesting amazing stuff uh in there and so I know that's a lot of reading, and if you're not a reader, um, I'm sure these are available on audiobooks somewhere. But um, again, those are some of the really great resources that I'd recommend. And there's any number of different things on the web that you can look at. And um, I've seen some good stuff from this group on Facebook called Wait Until Eighth, and they they really encourage people, uh, parents, to wait until at least eighth grade to get their kids involved in any kind of technology or uh, social media or anything like that. And so among all those different things, it's just that there's a ton of different resources out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would add to uh, your your collection there, one I've just recently read called Analog Church. Um, and it, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. I'm listening to that based upon your recommendation right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it was great. He's got a, a basically a sequel to it is coming. He released the first one 
the week that the pandemic hit most places here in the States. So it was really kind of a, an interesting wow. timing. Um, and it's grown more true, I think, through through the pandemic. But he's also got a, a, compa- a follow-up to that digital Christian um, that is more for individual Christians as well. It's, I'm looking forward to, to getting that one. Um, but then if you haven't already, uh, I know it's on Netflix and that's kind of controversial for some folks, but to find a way to access uh, Social Dilemma, the Social Dilemma, um, gives you a peek into most of these big platforms and, and apps by the those that developed them or that were high up. And I don't know how in the world they got so many people to be a part of this documentary. Yeah, it's very eye-opening. It, it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And it really just kind of gives you a glimpse into really what's behind and, and what these apps are shaped to do and aiming to do. And uh, as a parent, there are a ton of resources from their website as well, um, from the Social Dilemma. They, they have a bunch of different uh, links that, that can give you some more stuff there. So great list of resources. I really appreciate your, uh, you putting those together and putting those out there for folks. Anything else that you want to add to our conversation today? Just if, um, if you need any help, if you are just lost in the sauce, I'd love to try to help. Uh, you can email me directly at chad.landman, L-A-N-D-M-A-N, at gmail.com. And if you're interested in a workshop or hosting a workshop at your church or organization, uh, I'd love to speak with you about that. I am, um, I'm, I'm booked solid until about March of next year, which is kind of crazy. Awesome. Um, yeah. I had a dip, a big dip there in 2020, obviously. I think everybody did, uh, but it has since really picked back up. And so, um, again, I'm blessed and thankful to just be able to do that and to travel and to talk to so many different people. And uh, it is just wonderful to try to be able to help uh, those parents out. Well, that's great, man. I appreciate your time today and especially for you to uh, spend some time just sharing with us a little bit of your wisdom and the experience that you have. Um, Thanks so much for joining us here on the Carline Conversation. Then all of Chad's contact information will be posted in uh, in show notes or descriptions for wherever you're you're accessing this podcast. So thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks again so much for listening to this episode of the Carline Conversation Podcast. If it's been helpful to you, please follow and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening. It also helps if you'll take a moment to rate the show. It goes a long way to grow in the podcast. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share or suggestions for future topics or guests, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or email. Thanks again for stopping by, and we'll see you on the next episode of Carline Conversations.